Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? So as I sit here with you today, I'm really smiling and laughing with myself because be careful, my friend, when you have dreams about where you want to be. I am living my dream and and like often say, I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere. I'm living my dream and it's very full right now. It's fantastic. I love it. But just remember that when we get what we wanted, everybody thinks that, oh, I'm going to live in this promised land. It's going to be great. There are no problems. That is not the truth, my friend. So just keep that in the back of your head. What is happening? Oh my gosh, there's so much that's been going on. It's been so much fun. And like I said, I'm living my dream. But here's the thing of what for our community, one of the things that the new thing that I just did this week, and oh my gosh, I've been playing with Facebook Live in our Facebook group. But what I did this week is I had a master class. And so the old teacher in me, I thought I left teaching when I left the college, but the old teacher in me taught a master class about how to use the mindset practice workbook that you can download from my website for free. And it's a key tool that I use with my clients to really manage their mindset. And it was so much fun. And we're going to do it again because it takes a lot of practice. You know, I keep saying we need to practice and practice. So we're going to do it again. The only way you can know about it is if you're already on my newsletter list, and then you can sign up from there. So if you're not a subscriber, go to the link in the show notes and you can subscribe. And you will also find out when that announcement comes out as well. Okay. So the other thing that is new, I'm so, so, so excited is we've opened up registration for the May Enough group. It's a my year long group coaching program. And here's the thing, and this is really important is that it is a small group and it is high touch. It's not one of these massive programs where as one of my enoughers, who was a little concerned when she joined the group back last in September. And she's like, is this like part of that cattle call? I don't want to be a part of that. And I was like, Oh, absolutely not. It's a small intimate group where it's really safe for you to show up because we do this work that I talk about all the time. And you have a small group of people who I am very selective of who get to be a part of this to do this work. So the registration is open. Here's the thing. You can't just like go in and put down your credit card and join you must sign up for a consult. So if it's right now, April, early May, you can go to howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough. And there's a scheduled consult that you can get on there. And then you and I will talk. It's an invitation, never an obligation. That's always really important. We need to make sure, are we a good fit? Right? Is this something that you're ready for? Are you ready to commit wholeheartedly for this and do this? And it's an awesome experience and opportunity because so often my clients are intelligent, they're busy, there's a lot of demands on them. 
They, everybody else is put first. And so this gives them the space to really dedicate themselves to this work. It allows them to have accountability. It allows them to be part of a community, a small group, a community where there's connection. And we do, we have online component. We also have the special bonus in person, which is awesome because you get to do this work with people and then come together. There's, I just love it. It's awesome. And there's group coaching and we look like the Brady Bunch. And then there's the private coaching you get, which is a neat part of the package. So I call it the mental gym. I go to, I <laughs> think about this. I have been a college coach. I run a youth swim team. I have designed workouts for so many people. We don't even want to talk about how many, cause we can, we're in double digits just in years, but I drive to go to my class because I want somebody to tell me what to do. So I don't have to use any brain juice where I can just spend all my energy on focusing on making myself stronger. And I don't have to then convince myself, no, Corinne, you should do it. That takes a lot more self-discipline versus me driving someplace and then having somebody else tell me what to do. Not that I tell you what to do, but I provide structure, accountability, guidance, support, and we work on you becoming the best version of you. So it's our mental gym. That's what the enough group is. This way you can create the life that you want. So you can live and enjoy your life with confidence in who you are, both personally and professionally, because they are intertwined. And in the enough group on the outside, most of my clients look like they have this great life, but on the inside, they're filled with self-doubt, self-loathing. They believe they aren't good enough, smart enough. They believe that they're doing it wrong. And with coaching, what they get is you will receive tools, but not only just like, here's some tools and go figure it out. Right. And that's why I have this master classes. I'm trying to teach you how to use the tools to practice it. Then it's about how do you incorporate the space, right? We'll redo this work in enough. We're actually implementing and integrating it so that you get it in your bones. And you know, the enoughers know that they have somebody on their team so that they don't have to figure it out themselves and they have guidance and community. So if you're interested, go to my enough page, how she really does it forward slash enough and schedule yourself on a console. And then you and I will have a conversation. All right. So for today, I'm talking about perfection. And it's so funny because I've kind of banned this word from my language because this is what I spend my work on. This is uh, this overcoming, letting go of perfection. And when I started to notice was that with myself and my clients is perfection is sneaky. So even though I have eliminated doing it perfectly or saying anything about perfect, like I think I was recently getting my hair done and my hairdresser, when she was looking at an exam, she's like, Oh, perfect. And I just smile inside because I know that perfection is the birthplace for shame. So I don't strive for perfection, or at least so I thought, I'll tell you about that later on. So let's look at this promise of perfect. What have we been culturally programmed to believe about doing it perfectly, being perfect, living perfectly? So here are some of them. I'll be safe if I'm perfect. I'll be accepted. It's not huge. We want a place to belong. We want people to love us. We want to be valued at our work. We want to be respected in our communities. So if we're perfect, we can be accepted. The promise of perfection is, oh, I can fit in. And that's a whole nother podcast fitting in versus belonging. The other promise of perfect is I'll be successful. I'll either be successful in the workplace or I can be successful as a mom. 
I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be the most perfect parent so that my kids become the most perfect kids so that we all can live happily ever after. It's that fairy tale. The other promise of perfect is I'll be loved or I'll finally be worthy of loving myself. Do those resonate with you? So those are the promises that we have been programmed in our culture to believe. Now let's talk about the truth of perfection. Perfection weighs you down. It is exhausting. And that's why my clients come to me. They've been striving. They've not been striving. They've been hustling for their worthiness and they did it by trying to be perfect. Look perfect, act perfect, be perfect. It's exhausting. And it's like trying to balance on a tightrope. I struggle enough in my back class, just balancing on one foot. And then they decide to like today, make us close our eyes and move our head. And I'm falling all over the place. I don't even want to think about doing on a tightrope, but that's what we're trying to do with our lives. It's the metaphor of you're trying to balance on a tightrope. That is a lot of energy. And that really limits your capacity in your life. So there's no such thing as perfection. And one of the things is that I don't think it was in this century it was probably more in the like nineties that we used to say this in swimming is, and if you're a former swimmer, you remember this, we used to talk a lot about the perfect stroke. You need to have the perfect stroke. And if you just swim this way, you're going to have the perfect stroke and you want it to always be the same. Well, there's no such thing as the perfect stroke. There's four strokes, right? Butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, and freestyle. And there's many versions of how to swim them probably depending on your body type, but depending on your mobility, you know, depending on your strength to body weight ratio, there's many different variables. There's not just one way, but for so long, we made it seem that there was one way. And then as your body's recovering and then the different distances. So there's no such thing as a perfect stroke. There's no such thing as perfection. And I think when my kids were little, when they, they're like, mom, nobody's perfect. And I'm like, wow, my kids are so brilliant. I didn't realize they were getting that from Hannah Montana. But if that was the stuff that they were getting programmed with, yay them. So there's no such thing as perfection. And like I said earlier, perfection is the birthplace of shame. And shame is where I do a bunch of my work in with my clients. And here on the show, we talk about it a lot. And shame is that feeling. It's that threatening feeling that there is something wrong with you. So horrible that you will not belong. You will not be safe and it cuts to your core. And the great news is we all feel it. And except for the small percentage of the population that are sociopaths, but we feel it and we, it can take us down. But as you learn how to be shame resilient, you can learn how to move through it. One of the key things is letting go of this perfection because perfection is armor. It weighs you down. It is heavy. It is exhausting and it can lead to hopelessness. So if this resonates with you, continue listening because I'm going to be talking about how it's sneaky. We don't need perfection. You can actually be successful without hustling for worthiness. You're going to strive for excellence, but you're going to be making mistakes. That is the pathway to becoming successful. There's no athlete. There's this great, oh, I should put it in the show notes. There's this great YouTube uh, video. Well, it's a YouTube video now. I think it was a commercial for those of you that remember Michael Jordan. And it starts out at the United Center with his statue. And he says, I made a mistake. And he goes, I think I made it look too easy because most people looked at the end of his career without remembering the freshman high school boy that got cut from his high school team or all the practices that he did and all the extra work and all the mistakes that he made. 
Or just recently, I saw this quote about Beyonce, where it said that Beyonce practices eight months for a two hour performance. When was the last time you practiced eight months for anything? I know for that masterclass, oh my big shout out to my assistant Haley, we practiced a lot and we kept revising the slide decks and revising them. And I would work on it and then she would make it prettier and I would work on it. She would make it. We have several decks and we're going to go back and do it again because I know that when I practice something, I get better at it. And this is a tool that I teach and I know really well. And then learning this new technology, even though it was within Zoom, but there were some other components that I wasn't used to, right? So constantly getting better. Like in the show, I've had over 600 episodes. I've been doing radio podcasting since 2006. It started out as live. I had guests. Then I went to No More Live where it was recorded, but with guests. And now I'm doing them by myself. So I've had a lot of practice and I feel comfortable. Same thing with being around the pool. But when there's a new thing, there's a lot of mistakes that may happen. There's mistakes that happen here on the podcast. Who am I kidding? But letting go of this thing of it has to be perfect in order to be accomplished. Or the other side is I have this habit of, I just want to be one and done. Like, let me just get done with this because I'm too busy of a person. I don't have time for this stuff. That my friends is how perfection is sneaky. So... Let's see. Brene Brown came out, what, I think she did her TED talk in like 2010, 2011, right? And so we started realizing, oh, this whole idea of being perfect isn't great because of her body of research. And so, well, she's widely known. I'm always amazed when people don't know who she is. I'm like, wait, what? Now that she has that Netflix show, people are constantly sending me messages. And it's like, then the first thing they see me, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I saw part of it or she's so funny and she is hilarious. But so Brene has given us the spotlight on that perfection is the birthplace of shame. And we may be smart enough now to know that, oh, let's not use the word perfect, right? Like, I'm just going to eliminate that because it's like kind of being politically correct. It's right, the next version of it. So we may not use perfect. I don't use it in my vocabulary. And then we cloak it with other behaviors, with other words. So instead of calling it perfect, it could be doing more. I'm a high achiever. Like I have clients that say, oh, I'm a high achiever. I'm not an overachiever. But one of my clients, she was doing a lot of business development and over doing the business development and then didn't get um, a contract, they wound up giving to somebody else. And I won't say her word was resentful. That wasn't a word that she used with me, but there was kind of that like, like, why not me? I did all this business development with you. I gave you all this free advice and then you didn't, you know, include me on this deal right? How often does that happen to you where maybe you've spent time and, and this can happen with the aqua monsters. I can spend a lot of time with families or parents and stuff. And I've had to be really clear that when I do that, it's because it's aligned with either my values or the values of the organizations and what I want to do. And I just realized that, but a way to dial up overachieverness is to over deliver in a certain area but we may not see that as over-delivering, but that's another way of overachieving. I have a tendency to overachieve. It's like, oh, just work harder. Oh, just do more. <laughs> do more, Corinne, work harder, sleep less, right? And we have to dial that back down. So there is a difference between being a high achiever and overachiever. Here's one of my big ones that I've been noticing this year in 2019 is being efficient or being productive. I'm like, oh my gosh, 
That is my version of perfection. So recently, my husband was coming back from the NC Toys and I was going to pick him up from the airport. And I like to be efficient, like, oh, if I'm going to go someplace, don't waste any time. So I had made a decision. I was following on flight tracker because I didn't want him to have to wait. And I was excited to see him too. But then I'm like, oh, I can stop at Costco and get gas because, you know, Costco gas is really cheap and that would be a great value. And it's on the way to the airport. And so I had this whole thing all planned out. And then I'm like, oh, and then I'll run in and grab a couple items. That way I don't have to, you know, get it someplace else. And, you know, again, being fiscally responsible can be a form of perfection. Like don't make mistakes, right? Don't be wasteful. And so I was noticing this like stress that was coming about. And this was like a Sunday morning, right? When it's kind of like a low key day for me, but I started getting like really, really rigid because I wanted to time it. And I'm going to say the word perfectly. Now I wouldn't have said that. That wasn't the voice that was going on my head. It was Corinne, don't waste time. You're a busy person. You had a lot to do and you want to time this well. And it was just me and the lyrics that was going on in my head. So I go out to the garage and to get into my car to go and, and it's pretty tight at this point. And I realize, oh, there's those paper bags sitting on my island. I need to go get them and put them on my car. Not because I was going to take them. I was not going to take them to Costco. They're for what I use for the other grocery stores. And because I have this whole other issue of not wanting to spend 10 cents on a paper bag, no joke. But I was like, oh, I don't want them to be on this island. So I want to put them away. And again, it was me being perfect instead of it's fine. It's not within my priorities right now. I can do that when I come back. But I've gotten into this case of being efficient and productive that I didn't even want to do that. Had I come in, that would have cut me too close. And then here's the thing because of some, you know, oh, let me get a few more things done. I went and I got the gas at Costco and I realized there wasn't going to be enough time to go into the store and that's okay. But that's how perfection can be sneaky. Another way of perfection being sneaky is when you have this belief that you quote, should have no regrets, should is a judgment word, but have no regrets. Instead of when we allow ourselves and gives ourselves the permission to make mistakes we have the opportunity to learn from it. So even that Costco thing, it was so good for me to look at what I was doing. And the only reason I could see it was I was able to slip from being a judger of, oh, I can't waste time and kind of yay me, but I was really judging, no wasting time to then being a compassionate observer, which allowed me to gather perspective of, well, wait a second, do I really need to run in and grab the paper bags right now, which is going to put more stress on the timeline that I currently have created for myself. And by being a compassionate observer, I've really thought about this small situation and how am I showing up in my life? Later, I'll talk about capacity, but now I want to go back to this whole idea of regrets, of having these regrets where you're judging and you're in a place of fear of, oh, if I make a mistake, I'm going to regret it versus when you make mistakes, what can you learn from it? And being able to shift your mindset from to that place that there really aren't mistakes. These are all learning opportunities and they become a problem if we continue to do them over and over again, because then you're just like running into the wall time after time. So having no regrets is another form of perfectionism. Another one is doing it all, 
or having this belief of no one else can do it as well as me. So I have to do it or this belief of it's all on me. Those three are pretty much the same thing. It's I do it so much better than others. It's our way of puffing up, but it's like the standard nobody else upholds to. So here's the thing is that, again, if we're trying to not make mistakes, trying to, you know, uh, do more, be efficient, be productive, right? And we're cloaking perfection with those other terms, we're not truly owning our story. And as Brene has shared is that owning our story and loving ourselves is one of the bravest things that we can do. We own our story. This is what I did. And that's why I share with you like that whole Costco airport thing with me of, wow, I watched myself. There's like part of me that my brain was watching myself in fascination of the shit show that was happening in my brain on a Sunday morning. And that's where I can then change that behavior instead of judging myself. And that was my old behavior. And that's often my client's behavior is they judge themselves and they beat themselves up. And here's the thing. When you're with your colleagues or your family or your friends, they may not share that insight with you. You may think, wow, you know, this is how they go about doing stuff. They're really not hard on themselves. I get the backstage pass and the privilege to see what goes on behind people's, you know, I call it the green curtain or behind, you know, in their brain from the work that I do. And the story is always very similar on here's how I'm being perceived and here's what's going on inside. And what we want to do is we want to be how we're perceived. We want it to be who we are where we authentically can show up. And that's why we want to let go of perfection. It's exhausting. It weighs us down and it actually leads to disconnection because new people aren't knowing who you really are. They're knowing who you are putting yourself out there to be. And that's why I say I live an amazing life and there are shit shows everywhere because that's the real truth. Like there are parts of my life that are so amazing and there are parts of my life that I'm like, seriously, that is now happening, <laughs> right? Or I used to have the story of like, oh, we just are using duct tape everywhere, but we're always using duct tapes. There's always stuff that's going on. There's always, you know, it's, I don't believe in life balance. I believe that there's a lot of balls. And my big thing is to make sure that the ones that are really, really critical, they don't come crashing down and break. And the ones that have are rubber balls, it's okay if they come down because they're going to be able to bounce, right? Commit to the best case scenario, manage risk. So what we want to do is instead of cloaking perfection, because then we're not owning the story and we're definitely not loving ourselves. And we need to do more of that, my friend, is we want to let go of perfection. So we need to know what are the things that we may be hiding from ourselves that is actually we're demanding perfection from ourselves. And whether it's because this is the way our family of origin has told us to do it, or our culture, or certain people in our lives, or a boss, that's okay. Those are their rules. What are yours? You're an adult, right? We can adult in our lives. We can be adulting. Be the leader of your life. But let's let go of perfection. I think one of the most important things to do is accepting. You know, accept yourself, accept the situation. And I often have to tell my brain, especially when I'm doing new stuff, is like, there's this great method that I found out about, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. It's called the CTFD method. Calm the F down, right? Sometimes we freak out about stuff. Like I was freaking out about making sure I got to Costco and whatever the two items I needed in Costco, but we all know it's going to be more than two items, right? That I needed to then go get my husband and then, you know, perfectly manage my day. And then I had to just calm down. It's all okay. I was trying to get the paper bags that were sitting on my island in my car so that they wouldn't be there when I came home. Is there reason for it? No, other than I just wanted that off my to-do list. 
And then the compassion is stop being so hard on ourselves. We really need to stop that. Wouldn't it be great if like beating up ourselves was not allowed? (laughs) That would be fantastic. So compassion is kindness, self-kindness, common humanity. Isn't it great? So many of you, you know, send me emails or write reviews for the iTunes or post something on Instagram that this so resonates with me. Like you're not the only one. These stories that I tell you are some of mine. They're some of my clients. They're some stories from past guests, right? They're from my parents. They're just from our collective. We are humans and we are all connected. So that's so important. And then the other aspect that's really important is this idea of perspective. You know, what will matter if there's paper bags left on my island? What will it matter if it's actually in my car? You know, and sometimes when I go to the grocery store and I don't have those paper bags, I'm like taking a deep breath. I go, Corinne, it's okay. You can afford 10 cents. It's okay. And I'm like, but I don't want to buy a bag. I'm like, okay, you have a choice. You can either carry this stuff out and put it in your car or you can pay the 10 cents. Which one do you choose? Sometimes. I will carry this stuff out and sometimes I'll pay the 10 cents. It just depends on how many things I have and what I want to do that day and what my capacity, I guess, is. So be compassionate and you'll find the areas that you're cloaking perfectionism. One of the other things that's really important is one of my clients, um, she got a little upset because she was calling herself a recovering perfectionist and she's like, yes. I'm doing really good work. Like I'm the A plus student. I'm a recovering perfectionist. And she noticed that she was using perfection and cloaking it from herself. And then she got really upset. She's like, I can't be a recovering perfectionist if I'm still have perfectionist tendencies. My friends, the reason I share this with you, I've done my work. I continue to do my work and I continue to evolve to the best version of me, which is actually inside of me. And it's about taking off all these extra layers of cultural programming of other people's beliefs so that I can be seen as me. And the way I think about it is that, you know, as you go through and my house is, I mean, it's in pretty good shape and I like things to be orderly and my family probably thinks a bit too much, but at times there are things that tend to uh, get cluttered, right? So, and in my bathroom, we'll go to that. So I was thinking about my bathroom today. My countertops are very minimalist. There's very little on there. I don't like anything on there and things get put away. Well, there's a shelf that hangs up and it's so funny because I just started noticing like it is getting rather full, right? There's more hair product stuff. There's just stuff. And, and it doesn't mean that my whole house is a mess. There's one shelf that's collected a lot of stuff. So whether it's the shelf or the junk drawer, maybe you have a bedroom or maybe it's your garage or maybe it's your backyard or maybe it's your closet or your drawer. It doesn't mean that you aren't taking care of yourself. It just means that there's just a space that isn't up to the standards that you like. And uh, I know my standards exceeds my husband's, but that, you know, it's okay. And right now, I'm okay with it. I don't have the capacity to clean that out and that is okay. And at some point I'll take some time and clean it up. And I learned this from Peter Walsh many years ago. He's on my show several times, like five or six times. He's really popular guest, And it was always fun to have Peter. And he's, he was Oprah's declutter guy. And I used to have this belief of when you declutter, you must go through and purge everything, right? And and I used to make my husband, we would take like a week off or during his week of vacation, I'm like, we're going to spend all this time getting our house decluttered and it's going to finally be perfect and we'll live happily ever after. And I was really young back then and uh, <laughs> naive. 
But after like three days, I'd be exhausted. And then we'd be shoving stuff away because I didn't want to have to deal with it anymore. And then I would feel deflated. And what Peter taught me was if you have 10 minutes, take 10 minutes to clean that drawer and then celebrate that. And that my friend is we can be recovering perfectionists and then notice, oh, I have an area to clean up. And that's just an area. Like I noticed there's some perfectionist tendencies that I still have. Okay, that's fine. And I, now I'm going to learn that and let go of that because that's not where I want to spend my energy. So be compassionate and you're going to find these areas and then you can actually move through them. And this allows you to think about what is your capacity and what are your priorities? I use this term capacity a lot. Do I have the capacity for this, you know, cleaning up? Do I have the capacity to clean out my closet? And yes or no. And does it work enough for what I need to do? And we need to think about that. I remember years ago, this is, oh gosh, probably like 2004, I was at the California Governor's Women's Conference. And there was a speaker there and I can't remember, she wrote a book, but she made this most profound statement of, it's not about doing it all right now. It's about thinking you have a lifetime and over that lifetime, what are going to be the things that you have priorities for? What do you have the capacity? And she didn't use capacity, but that's a big word that I use these days. And I think about the priorities and capacity. So instead of thinking, I have to do it all right now, what is my top priority, my top three priorities for right now? And what do I have capacity for? So think about that. Remember, perfectionism is sneaky. We've been brainwashed to think that perfect is a good thing, right? We've been culturally programmed that with being perfect, we will finally be enough and that we'll be safe and loved and successful. And my friend, that's the exact opposite of what happens. Because what actually happens is that it creates more shame by really trying to be perfect. We're trying to manage the optics of how people perceive us and to live the standards of what other people want versus the standards of what you want and what you have the capacity for, right? Like that shelf in the bathroom, not really my standards, but it works and it's not in the way. And my husband would say, your standards are too high, Corinne. It is fine. I don't know what the problem is. And I don't give it any brain juice except the, you know, 60 seconds that I spoke about it here. So when you're actually being perfect, what happens is that you're covering up who you are and this weighs you down And it disconnects you from the people that you want to be connected with because you're putting on this armor and you're not letting people see who you are. So my invitation for you today is to let go of being perfect. Let go of it. You don't need to fight it. You don't need to battle it because now you're just engaging with it. Just let go. And when it shows up, you can just laugh with it. Like, oh, you silly thing. Here you are again. You think you're keeping me safe, but really you're weighing me down. Or it can be like, I'm the boss of me and how do I want to live my life? I'm the leader of my life. Or like my new favorite saying is I'm adulting. Look at me adulting, right? What do I want to choose? What are my values and priorities? And I'm always thinking about that as being part of a collective, about being part of the human experience. And to give you an example of that is I was at my favorite coffee shop this morning and um, I was putting away my trash and stuff before I was about to leave. And I went and put my chair back right? It wasn't something that I had to do. They didn't ask me to do that, but I wanted to be a positive contributor to the collective, to that group that I just love this coffee place that I go to. And I wanted to contribute instead of making the workers have to take care of me. And I think about that, like when I go grocery shopping and what do I do with my shopping cart? 
And so I just think about that. So I'm not saying when you live with your values and priorities, it's screw everybody else. This is for me. That's puffing up. I'm talking about how you show up and how you contribute in line with your values and priorities, realizing that, you know, you are part of this human experience. So with that, my friend, work on letting go of accept, uh, perfection, accepting your mistakes. It's all okay. Learn from them. Being compassionate with yourself. Compassion doesn't mean like, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. No, compassion has boundaries. Compassion can be supportive. Compassion realizes like, okay, what can I learn from this? And it opens up your brain. And then giving yourself this perspective of like, really, what's the cost to me by making this mistake? right? I'm always talking about managing risk. I I believe in managing risk, commit to the best case scenario and manage risk, right? So acceptance, compassion, perspective, do that and work on letting go and see what your, how your capacity, my hunch is your capacity will grow because you won't be so weighed down by wearing the armor of perfection. Thank you so much for being here with me. All right, my friends, I have very exciting news. The next Enough group is open for registration. If you want to have a life where you feel enough so that you can do work that you love from a place of confidence and not go into overachieverness, where then the cost is your relationships, your home life, this is the place for you. If you want to have meaningful and connected relationships where you're willing to practice vulnerability. I know none of us are, but that my friend is the pathway to connection. Enough is the thing for you. We take all these tools in enough and incorporate them into your life. You integrate and implement them in your life. So you become enough. All these tools that you've heard me talk about on the show, we integrate. This is your mental gym. It is your place to practice and show up. Right now, you can go to the link in the show notes, or you can go to www.howshereallydoesit.com forward slash enough. And during this registration period, there is a link on that page to the consult page where you will sign up and you and I will get an opportunity to talk about enough. And I'll be more than happy to answer your questions. I'm smiling big for you. This is your opportunity to become enough and integrate this stuff so that you can do meaningful work as well as have connection and love and the relationships you want. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.